Welcome back to Carving the Stone Podcast, where our positive news articles come to life. I'm your host, Naisha Stone, and I'm also the founder of Carving the Stone, your weekly source of positive news. Now, before I bring on our next guest, I have a few announcements. Um, one being, I talked about in the last podcast, but we have a goal of making sure that we're building up the next generation of black and brown journalists. So what I have been doing um, over the last few months is just thinking of ideas of how I can provide that for, um, for our journalists. So when I was attending college, we were taking on some immersive trips um, and our, prof our professor was able to get some grants where she took us uh, to travel around the country to interview people. So I've talked about this before. We've um, interviewed people in Flint about their water, went to Texas after they had a hurricane and things like that. And it gave me real world experience when it came to journalism. So once I figured out my platform and that I can kind of provide that, that's kind of what my next goal is for Carbon Stone. So right now we're raising money, um, figuring out creative ways um, to raise funds to take black and brown journalists, early journalists um, around the country to cover national events. So like I mentioned earlier um, on the last podcast, we covered Rolling Loud. And now I'm working on possibly getting into Essence Festival and other just national things. So if we can get access to those, I would love to bring on early on Black and Brown journalists. So if you're listening, you want to donate or just talk about more how we can partner up, please reach out um, www.carbonstone.com or cns at carbonstone.com. Yeah, that's really all my announcement. That's it. Oh, and uh, April 1st, uh, we will start promoting our travel writing scholarship. We'll be awarding $1,000 to a writer in Milwaukee. So that's coming soon. But let's get back to, you know, the real reason why we're here on the Carver Stone podcast. So every Tuesday, I bring someone on around the world to talk about the positive things in their life. And, you know, today is no different. And, you know, I'm a media girl, so I'm always going to bring someone on in the media every few episodes. So don't be surprised, okay? Um, my name is Naisha, so don't get us mixed up. We have Ranisha being with us. How you doing? I'm good. How are you doing, Naisha? I'm doing great. Um, before we start press record, Ranisha was giving me a whole bunch of great tips on just how to scale my business um, and just being a media world. So I appreciate that. And I, that's what I kind of want to talk about today. So she's the co-founder of the Black-Owned Media Equity and Sustainability Institute. She's also the founder of Her Agenda, but we'll get into that shortly. Um, I brought Ranisha on because I was introduced to the Black-Owned Media Equity and Sustainability Institute. Um, I believe through their newsletter and they provide resources, um, just a whole bunch of different resources for people in the media world. And I was able to sign up for their platform. And so now I've even had somebody reach out to me for potential services. Um, so thank y'all for that. Uh, I kind of just want to start off. What was the purpose of starting a nonprofit? And then kind of like, where are you guys at uh, right now with the nonprofit? Yeah, the purpose is so big and I'm really motivated by that the, the purpose is really to unite and uplift independent black owned media companies and allow them to see each other by creating community spaces different touch points both virtually and in person and also you know we can't do good without having access to capital and revenue like a lot of people like to think about capitalism and revenue and making money and business building as completely separate than actually changing the world, but they go hand in hand. You can't really make a movement without the capital to fuel it. And so economic empowerment is one of our other motivations as well as ecosystem building, education, economic empowerment is one of the big keys. And so what we educate our publishers around a lot are things that you talked about, 
with scaling their business, understanding the language of selling, how to communicate to different audiences, the value that you bring, and also making sure you're pricing yourself right. You need to add tax, like whatever you're charging right now, add double it, triple it, because you need to charge a premium. People often think, especially with independent media, oh, I have small audience. That small audience is so valuable because you have some an audience that, that trusts you, that are, that's locked in, not a passive audience. And that comes at a cost. So that's what motivated me and my co-founder to start it. I myself am a publisher as well. As you briefly mentioned, I co-founded, well, not co-founded, I founded Her Agenda. And that'll be 15 years this year. And so I've been in this game for a little minute. My co-founder will be celebrating, I believe, 17 years as a founder of a publishing company himself. So we know the journey, we know the pain points, and we wanted to build an entity that truly represented the interests of Black-owned media, helped us to see each other, and helped us to give visibility with the advertising community, which is really how a lot of media companies make money. For one, congratulations for being in this business for so long. And being able to even create a platform that's going to help other people like me. So thank you. <laughs> thank you. And we're still babies with the nonprofit. We just started it in June of 2020. So uh, it's it's just the beginning. And so I'm glad that you're part of it and seeing us grow. Yeah, I'm definitely going to need help on the nonprofit side. We'll get into that. I'll, off call, I want to create a foundation for Carbon Stone. But you brought, you brought up a good point. You said tax. Make sure you pay what you're worth, but then, you know, double it. And we talked about this a little bit before I pressed record um, about how I was like undercutting myself. And so for a long time, just because I thought, well, I'm a small business. And even though like I know my knowledge and all of that, like I'm trained in this, I went to school for this, I do this every single day. I still feel like, well, maybe because I'm so little or maybe because of this that I shouldn't charge this much. And then I couldn't figure out like, why can't you afford rent? Or, you know, why can't you do this, but you're producing this great quality content? So actually this morning, well, yesterday, someone reached out to me and was like, we need this service, right? And name your price. I have never been told that in an email before or from someone. So I was like, wait, what? So before I said any price, you know, you still have to be a business owner. So I was like, what specifically do you need? How many number of this? What are you looking for? So I can give an accurate number. So they gave me this morning. They was like, this is what we're looking for, the specifics. So I did the numbers and I'm like, this is probably like the biggest invoice I've ever sent so far. Mm -hmm. And I was just trying to figure, I'm like, wait, am I asking for too much? And it took me a long time to sit there and be like, no, you're not asking for too much. And you can back up why you're asking for this plus your time. But it took me a long time in my head to be like, no, this is a good number and you're not making this up. And so I'm glad you, you know, you kind of brought that up. So I think sometimes as small business owners, we can be like, well, we want the deal so much that we'll take a small cut. But it's like, you're kind of losing more by accepting accepting that um but you know like what are your thoughts on just getting confidence when it comes to pricing well also you, you mentioned losing so much something to keep in mind too people don't think about they think about the base cost of okay what are the mechanics of what it's going to take me to produce this scope of work so that's one aspect of the formula right then you're like, okay, I need to look at what profit margin I want to have for this. So that's another aspect of it too. But then adding that tax, again, like whatever you price everything at is probably going to be more than what you think. So do it at the highest level. But the other part of it is if it's, for instance, a banking institution, if you work with that bank and that bank is associated with your, your brand, 
Another bank that might be thinking about working with you is going to look and see, oh, they're already working with a competitor. Let me not reach out because they don't want to work with people working with their competitors. So then you have to factor in a fee of the fact that because I'm doing business with you, I'm now taking myself out of the ring to do business with other people in this category that could potentially pay me more than what you're paying. So that's another aspect of it. But how I get the confidence is for me, a lot of what I do is mission driven and I really care about the impact of the work. But thinking about the potential impact of the deal, not on myself, but other people. Like I love when I'm able to pay women, pay black women specifically and pay them what they're worth. And so if I don't get the best rate, if I don't get the best price possible, I'm not only discounting myself, I'm discounting that person that I'm going to bring into the projects. I'm discounting their expertise just from the jump. And that is not okay. And so I always think about, okay, who do I want to bring in to bring this vision to life? And I want to make sure when I come to them, I'm not coming to them asking for a favor or a discount. I'm giving them what they're worth. Even if they maybe give me a quote that's beneath them, they'll say, okay, well, you gave me this price, but I have this budget. So let's bring it up. No, I, I feel that because my I was focusing too much. Okay, we need to bring in money, but I was focusing more on the contractor side and making sure they were getting paid what they were getting paid and not focusing on, I'm the one, this is my business. I'm the one bringing the funding. I still need to get paid too. So it was like bringing the deals. Okay, now I need to pay them in order to make this right. But it's like, where do you come in 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 the where do, where do you come in 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 this pay and so that's something I had to learn very early on like if you keep going like this you're you're always gonna be broke and that's and that's not right why you started it um backing up a little bit going into your media career so you used to work for NBC New York um that was kind of you were a producer right yep mm-hmm. um what is it about media I, I love asking other media people this but like what is it about media like why 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 pick that as a career Oh my gosh, all my mentors told me, don't do it. Why are you here? Go the other way. But it was really a calling for me. I was maybe 15 or 16 years old when I discovered that journalism was even a career I could pursue. I had no idea. And all of the things that go into being a journalist, being curious, um, just having an affinity for figuring things out, um, really caring about doing deep research, asking questions. Uh, all of those things were things that came to me naturally as just part of my personality. As a kid, I was always called nosy. And I always was reading a book. I read a book a day when I was a kid. I actually taught myself how to read. I don't know if the audience will remember something called Hooked on Phonics. Saw a commercial for that when I was like, Four, and I grew up in New York, so there's all these billboards all over, and I was so annoyed. I remember being annoyed at like a, as a child, not understanding the context for what these symbols meant. I'm like, these mean something. What is this? So I asked for hooked on phonics, taught myself how to read. So I'm that person. I'm a self-starter, ambitious, curious. Never came to my mind that I could make a career out of it until I took a class called journalism by mistake in high school that was offered as an elective. And I even then couldn't recognize it. And that's the importance of, you know, discovering your passion, your purpose is not always going to come to you like this. It might seem obvious in hindsight, 
But when you're so close to it and it's just naturally part of who you are, you can't really see it. So my teacher actually saw it in me. He encouraged me to join the school newspaper and I turned him down at least five times because I'm a teenager in New York. What do I want to do after school? Not more school. I wanted to go shopping, hang out with my friends. I, I asked him, I was like, do, do I get a stipend? Is there a payment for doing this volunteer work after <laughs> school? And so that was just like, all right. But then when I actually understood, wait, Oprah, that's what she does. She's a mogul. Barbara Walters, oh my gosh, like all the things that I see, I didn't even connect, like I could do this. So once I connected the dots on, you know, I have a perspective that's important to put into the media world, the power of telling people stories and just the fact that I love asking questions and being the first to know something, that's when it all clicked. And I just, I started my career in journalism from then and it just snowballed from there. Since you started in journalism, right, um, is there anything, well, there's a lot of things that have changed, but is there like a major thing that you feel like was a learning curve for you from like beginning to like now, like maybe in the middle of your career or something, you like, oh my God, I had no clue this was going to come. Oh my gosh, where do I even start? Oh <laughs> my gosh. So when I came into journalism, it was already shifting so radically. It was the beginning of newsrooms going digital. And they didn't even understand what that meant. And then as me coming in, I was a young person, a millennial, which at the time we were the youngest generation, like how everyone talks about Gen Z. Everyone was like, millennials, millennials, digital natives. So we literally did grow up with computers somewhat. Like we remember our childhood without computers, but then it was brought into our lives at a, a time when we could adapt to it very quickly and easily. So newsrooms going digital that was a big thing I took advantage of that because a lot of my senior managers and peers they didn't quite understand so I took that upon myself to give myself a leadership position even just as an intern to go around and coach the anchors <laughs> how they can use Twitter when they're out in the field reporting and how they can integrate that into the promotion of their content and I was really giving people a playbook in the newsroom in real time as I was figuring it out. And there was no guide. There was nothing you could Google. You had to like know it. So that was just like the beginning. And also people were very confused when I came in. And now it makes sense that I didn't want to do just one thing. I wanted to write the scripts. I wanted to shoot. I wanted to be on camera. I wanted to produce. They were like, you have to pick one thing. Like, you want to be a producer? This this is the track for that. You want to be on air? This is the track for that. Now you got a multi-media journey. No, <laughs> that's not the track for me. Like, I want to be on air sometimes, but I also want to control the narrative and control the stories and the flow. So I ended up leaving. <laughs> Clearly, I got my experience, but I just knew corporate media wasn't the way forward for me. And I um, started my original company her agenda in college it was a side thing and I decided to pursue it full-time when I was like 24 25 after I did a couple jobs got a little bit of experience so yeah another thing that's surprising I know I'm going off hopefully it's useful to, to everyone listening but now that I am a owner and a publisher I had to take myself out of the editorial side of things and figure out and learn the art of sales and biz dev so I really started to lean into that in 2020 during the pandemic. 
And that's been a huge game changer for me, but also the biggest learning curve of all, because I am a journalist at heart. I can put together a story. That's what I'm passionate about. Not so passionate about Excel sheets and pitch decks and sales calls, but one needs to happen for the other to live. So I figured it out and I'm doing it for now until I get to that revenue marker where I can hire somebody to replace me and then get back to the journalism stuff. Wow, representation definitely matters because like that's exactly where I'm at. Like I love journalism, I love writing, I love interviewing. But in order for me to keep doing this, I have to learn sales. And as we were talking about earlier, like being in programs, like I know journalism, like that's that's what I'm good at. But learning the business side of things, like it's very, very important to know how much money you're bringing in, how much you're spending out, where can you cut stuff? Um, how, uh, how do you go about getting funding? Is it investment? Is you giving up equity? Is it creating a better business model? And so those are not very fun things, but it's fun when you get paid. Oh, for sure. <laughs> and I will say also as a business owner, even if you feel like you're not making money, you need to have an accounting software tracking your money, whether it's $5 or $5,000. I personally use QuickBooks. I think it's been really great. I, I had it from day one. So I have such like a accounting history that's really deep, but sign up for something because then when you're applying for these grants and stuff, they're like, send me your P and L and you're like P and what? <laughs> or you're then spending the whole week in a spreadsheet trying to piece together transactions and it just, it's not a good use of your time. So just plug up your bank and, and sign up for QuickBooks or some other equivalent service so you can generate those reports and understand what's going in and what's going out. Like you were talking about. Um, not to say too much on finances, like, so let's go back to, uh, no, because we can sit here and talk about it all day because we all need funding, for real. But <laughs> on the journalism side, um, what does it take to be a journalist? Like, I feel like especially, the reason I'm asking this question is because anybody, not, anybody can interview, but not everybody knows how to interview or how, what goes into journalism. I mean, it's not just interviewing. Um, but how would you describe being a journalist or journalism to honestly the average person I would say journalism journalism is a craft it is a skill it is not something that is surface level journalists go deep and take the time to understand their subject but also understand the context in which that subject exists so that when they craft this story it's not just word for word what came out of the mouth of the person but you're contextualizing it fact-checking it and putting some data behind it. That is, I literally, I've never said that out loud before. That's not what, you're, what you'll see if you look up journalists, but that to me is what a journalist is. And I think it's important to practice and study your craft as well. So I think it's helpful to get experience and couple that also with, you know, some workshops and classes. You don't have to go to school and study journalism, but get that experience, get in the newsroom, learn from seasoned journalists and actually practice what you see, but also get the tactical knowledge through workshops or courses, or maybe you're lucky enough where your school offers a journalism course, but that's not an excuse to say just because you don't have that, that you're not able to be a journalist. Like my college that I went to, we had communications as the major, that's not journalism but there were little classes here and there sprinkled in, but I got my learnings and experience really 
through internships. I interned at NBC from the moment I was 17 in high school all the way up until I graduated from college. I also wanted to see the other side of it. I always knew I wanted to do journalism, but I'm like, let me see what they do in PR. I did one month in PR at a fashion company called Donna Karen. Um, and so I really just studied the whole business really before I even decided, okay, journalism is exactly what I want to do. So that's important to do as well. Um, and I also did a lot of workshops. So the New York Association of Black Journalists, they offered a high school journalism workshop. I participated in that and NYU had one as well. So just look up to see professional groups, what they offer. They offer a lot of trainings and courses, especially if you're in college or if, even if you're in high school and you want to explore the path of journalism. But we need more journalists. Like so many people want to be influencers, which is great and content creators, which is great. But I think of content creators and influencers coming more from the marketing side of things versus telling stories. And so journalists are really curious and they are well-knowledged because they're curious, but they're also focused on what is the story and building a story out versus just putting content out. One of the things um, I teach, we offer uh, trainings to like entrepreneurs just, uh, cause sometimes they can't afford a marketing person so we kind of teach them how like little tips on how to be their own marketing person and that's one thing I just focus on is you know um you got to teach yourself because you, you certain things like you you don't have to go to school to learn it but there are little key things of like building relationships uh how to reach out like a press release it don't have to be the fanciest thing I've seen some really bad press releases but I've still you know covered the stories but mm -hmm. because they took the effort and time to you know send it out and just even learn that hey this is a press release shows me that hey you, you're taking I know this is just not a business that's gonna open up and close the next day because you know sometimes people reach out to stories like I've covered a lot of stories over the years and I've got I feel I've gotten better at picking out the stories that I know are going to last long like sometimes like it's a really good story for right now but like someone may throw an event but that's the only event for the rest of life and now it's nothing else <laughs> and so I feel like one event took everything out of them they're like whoa okay I'm done for the year I'm like, all right, all right. Well, I guess I did a good story then on that. <laughs> um, but I want to talk a little bit about her agenda. So uh, for one, before we see that, uh, go into that. So Ronisha, Nisha, I saw in your bio, it said that stands for no one ever slows down. Um, how long have you been using that saying? And can you just kind of really describe like, what that means? Okay. Uh, I started that when I was actually still in high school again. A lot happened in high school, clearly. And I started it because I told you I had found my calling with journalism. And I really started to take it serious with building relationships, getting that on the ground experience. I had my own blog that I started. And at the time, people didn't know what blogs were. This was 2005. And I also was writing for an online team newspaper up in Harlem called Harlem Live and also my school newspaper. So I was going to press conferences. I was going to networking events anywhere that I could go to meet someone, to meet a potential mentor, to just get some more knowledge. So I started to print business cards because I noticed everybody had business cards. So I went on Vistaprint, printed a card, and I wanted to put something on it that would help them to remember me because my name is not very common. Ranisha, you hear that, it's like, well, how will you remember? So I started to shorten it to Nisha, but then I took it a step further. Like my background, I love the arts, I love music. And I'm really inspired by 
the grit and the resilience of rappers specifically, because a lot of them come from absolutely nothing with no connections. And then all of a sudden, you know, because of their passion, their art, they are able to build a community or build a following and really put something out into the world that changes it. And I'm really motivated by that. So I love NERD and the Neptunes. That's like one of my faves. And Pharrell is an Aries, I'm an Aries. So I was inspired by NERD because NERD stands for no one ever really dies. So I was like, okay, NERD, N-E-S-H-A, let me see what I could come up with. So they gave me the starting point and then I took it from there. And the reason I created it and it was, it, those were the words I chose. It was no one ever slows her agenda was because I was young. I was about 15, 16. So some people would say, oh, you're too young to be covering these news stories, to cover politics, to write real journalism stories. And so I was just like, no, I'm not. So don't even get, tell me that I can't do it. And I also am someone with no family connections in media. I am a black woman. Like there's all these things that society would say, oh, you can't do it. And so I just wanted people to know that I'm not gonna take no for an answer. I have a mission, which is my agenda that I'm going to get done. And that is what the premise was behind it. And then that evolved from my personal motto to the motto of the site, which is basically now the meaning is whatever your goal is, go for it and don't let anyone or anything stop you. And that is the ethos behind the company itself and what we publish and all the events that we produce and what we put out in the world. Um, how do, does your uh, your business provide resources or like how does it promote or empower um, people in media? Yeah, I know it's millennial women, correct? Yep. Mm -hmm. So Her Agenda is a digital media platform with the mission of bridging the gap between ambition and achievement for millennial women. And we do that through the power of story. So we make sure that we showcase women who are in positions of power to show our audience what's possible because you can't be what you can't see. And so we provide that inspiration through the articles and the stories that we tell. The articles themselves, you know, outside of the profiles of the women, we have just different advice articles, how to, um, and also just general coverage of gender equity issues, pay gap issues, things that you need to know as a woman when it comes to negotiating or things of that nature, but also how to take care of yourself and like self-care, all of that goes into you being your best self so that you can show up against all odds and all obstacles. Like you can't be the best CEO or the best whatever you are, unless you're your best self too. So that's mental, mentally, spiritually, you know, holistically, you have to be okay in order to, you know, sit in on these Zoom calls and deal with these microaggressions and things like that. But one thing we're focused on is not just talking about the problem, but what is the solution? So our articles will really hyper-focus on, okay, you know that this is the issue, now what can you do? Or here's a story of someone who navigated through this. So maybe it'll inspire you to think about how you can navigate through. In addition to the articles, we also have an actual database of events, like panels, conferences, webinars, things of that nature that will help you grow your skill set or grow your network in order to figure out how you can take the first step or figure out how you can get to the next level. You can determine what, what phase you're at, but if you just go to our site and click on events, that whole database is compiled 
with that focus in mind. And we also have a community called Hurridge and the Insiders, the private network where um, just basically women have the mindset of lifting as they climb and share just resources and opportunities with each other within like a private online community. So there's a lot to it. It's a mouthful, which I'm sure you relate because you do a lot as well, <laughs> multiple components. But, you know, at the center is the journalism and the story and the platform. And that's one thing I wanted to keep open and free, which is why advertising is so important, just to bring it back to Bomisi and why we exist and why those these two things, although they're separate, they really coexist is because to keep that the journalism free, I need to be powered by the advertisers in order to serve my community. So Yeah, we don't we as journalists or media people, real specifically journalists, we don't talk about it enough or we don't get listened to enough about like if we stopped what we did, a lot of the world would stop because it is not the politicians that are changing the laws. I mean, like, yeah, but it's the journalists that brought this to light that may force someone else to like bring to worry about this law or to worry about this case or to know that our water is messed up. It took for a journalist to spend nine months working on one project. And so um, one of my missions is just to always, you know, just advocate for just journalists overall because we, as you know, when you go into journalism, they tell you there is no money in this field. Well, that should not be a thing. Like we should, we, as a nation, we need to figure out how do we, we fund it because we need it. We provide information. And I don't know why people think if information should be free, but the people doing the work for the information should definitely be paid for their services. Cause it's a lot of broke journalists out here that have changed a lot of things, but yet they are struggling. So we, if y'all listening, again, support local journalism and just journalism <laughs> overall. Just a few more questions um, for you. So you've, you've been recognized for a few things. You got an award back there. That's an Emmy, right? Yep. Mm -hmm. Congratulations on that. I love it. Um, you've uh, Forbes under 30. You've been in Essence, um, 50 founders to watch. Um, for you, you've had this passion for a very long time, like you said, since high school, and it takes a lot of hard work. But what does it feel like you for you to be at this point where you're being recognized and now um, you have a successful business and now you're figuring out the nonprofit world and it's going pretty good? <laughs> How does it feel? It feels, honestly, sometimes like I can't absorb it, to be honest, because my mission is so big that you know, while it seems like I've done a lot, I feel like there's so much more. And the more that I do, the more it unlocks how much more I need to do. And so sometimes I feel like, and I tell even my audience this, you know, you need to celebrate the small wins. You need to acknowledge where you are, appreciate where you are, but actually doing that is hard. And it was a little easier when I was sort of like, I think at this phase where I couldn't, like I was, I thought I was here, because I didn't know, oh, this this is also here. And so then when I got more knowledge that like, okay, I could go a little bit further and I got to that next plane, I was able to see how much higher I could go. I was like, oh my God, wow. I thought I was really doing something with Forbes 30 under 30 and having, you know, X amount of events under my belt and doing this and that, but I'm like, there's so much more. So I'm now at a phase where I'm just like trying to, make sure I'm appreciating what I've done and not getting overwhelmed by the mission and how much is left to do. And I will say when I was in my 20s, it was easier for me to just ignore how much it was affecting me. 
but now I'm getting older. I'm not super old, but I'm 34. I'm about to be 34. And, um, you know, you have to pay attention to things like blood pressure, stress levels, all of that impacts how your body is. And so, you know, I will not sit here and pretend it's all gravy and all good because everything looks like it's, it's great on the outside. I will say like, I'm really learning now in this phase to try to slow down, not constantly be anxious and overwhelmed and just to like breathe and meditate. I hate meditating because I hate just like sitting, but I need to do that actually more. <laughs> so yeah, it's it's really great. Um, and I have a good community of founders and, and entrepreneurs around me to just help me up to like get a reality check and understand that it's not just me. And that helps a lot. But also I'm really proud of the fact that, you know, I'm still here. I'm still doing it. And like you said before, representation is so important. And I love the fact, and this is why I love to do interviews like this and speaking events, even though a lot of people don't know I'm shy, actually. I don't like speaking. <laughs> I'm actually shy. You're great. Um, I do it because it's not about me or how I feel. It's about the impact of whoever will see this. And if they can see themselves in me as a woman, or as a black woman or as a girl from Brooklyn without any connections in media and journalism who not only entered the space, won an Emmy <laughs> and also um, started my own space, my own platform. And I'm able to now employ other journalists and writers. So yeah, it's a lot. I'm grateful, but I'm also still processing and, and figuring out ways to center myself outside of the work such an inspiration um definitely look up to you like you like you said representation because following right in your footsteps you're doing exactly what i want to do and so like i appreciate it again thank you for the tips earlier um but how in all my um interviews when people listen to this podcast what do you want them to get from it i want them to get from listening to my story that they can do whatever they set their mind to. And it's really a matter of timing and also equipping yourself. But the thing is that you are already equipped. You just really have to show the world and do whatever you have to do to show and prove. But you know, if you were given a vision and a mission, there is a reason for that. And so keep going, keep pursuing it. You're going to feel afraid, doubtful, anxious, all those things. But I really like this other quote from, I can't remember who said it, but I, I really resonate with feel the fear and do it anyway. And so while you might acknowledge that you feel a way, just keep pushing forward and call on the strength of the ancestors. I mean, so many sacrifices were made for us to be sitting here talking to each other, to be able to call ourselves entrepreneurs or whatever occupation you have. Just think about those sacrifices and call on that resilience in order for you to get through and push through to the next level. Uh, thank you, Ranisha, being um, Cardinal Stone Podcast, Naisha Stone. Make sure to join us every Tuesday as I bring someone on new from around the world to talk about the positive things in their life. And always remember, in the end, everything will be carved in stone. In the end, everything will be carved in stone.